Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I I, I so appreciate being invited to minister to you all ever so often uh, after 37 years of pastoring. I miss uh, preaching in church congregations. I preach every day on television, but I love being uh, with the people. Um, and I especially love you guys, and I thank you for coming out. I know you've got a, you had a big meeting Wednesday night. We were there. We uh, certainly enjoyed it. But all over the country tonight, Sunday night, October 16th, there's probably just a handful of churches that are open tonight. You know, that's sad, especially for somebody in my generation. And uh, Jeannie and I were reminiscing. You know, I preached every Sunday except two every year. I preached 50 weeks out of 52. Took two weeks off. And uh, dear Lord, I needed them. But I took... Two days, two Sundays off. Um, preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible college, TV, uh, travel. And, um, you know, that, that's just not the, the norm today. And so I really enjoy this. Now, tonight, I'm going to be very brief because I want to pray for you. The Lord dropped something in my heart to pray for people, and you may get delivered before we ever get to this, to pray for people that have been hurt. I won't have you raise your hand, but I've experienced this myself. And I know how it feels. It's hurtful when you've been hurt by somebody or something. And I'll tell you what that means in just a minute. But first, I'd like to uh, talk to you about what does it mean to be an overcomer? In our society today, We're facing, probably this generation is facing more chaos, more lawlessness, uh, more confusion, more incompetence in in every area. Um, And I think sometimes in the Word of Faith camp we have missed what it means to be an overcomer. It's not about your achievements. It's not about your successes or your victories or your failures. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, and let's go to verses 4 and 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, I want us to say this out loud. I want you to to say it out loud, to repeat it, and listen to it yourself. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. All right, say it again. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Again, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, if you're born of God, if you're born again, you're an overcomer. You are an overcomer by declaration, by decree, according to the Word of God. It doesn't say anything about your accomplishments, your failures, your victories, whatever. It says you are, a, you are an overcomer if you've been born again. Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. That is not a faith statement. That is a declaration of the truth from the Word of God. And sometimes we, we punish ourselves or we let the devil uh, destroy us. Because we don't think we have overcome anything. We haven't had a victory or we've had a failure or whatever. And we think we're not overcomers. Or we need to be more overcomers. We need to do more, be more, have more. And the Bible is very plain that an overcomer is someone that is born of God. Amen. You just, when you get born again, 
you qualify yes, sir. as an overcomer. Yes, <laughs> Turn and tell your neighbor, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. And then say, you're an overcomer. We're all overcomers. Hallelujah. Now, it says, this is the victory. Being born again, this is the victory that overcometh the world, though even our faith. So, and, and we're going to break this down. Whoever is born of God is an overcomer. Believing in Jesus as your Savior is what makes you an overcomer. Not your performance, not what you've done, not what you haven't done, your failures or victories, but believing in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe He's the Son of God. And I've been born again. Therefore, I qualify as an overcomer. Now, I'm going to get to the Revelation where it talks about the letters to the churches in Asia, and it says, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh. Because I think that has fueled our, um, our desire, and, but our expectations of, okay, I've got to be an overcomer to, to go to heaven, to get in the rapture to him. I've got to do something. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've done what is required to be an overcomer. Okay. Through Jesus' shed blood on the cross, sin, sickness, and poverty has been overcome by Him. Sin, sickness, poverty has been overcome by Him. Therefore, our faith is in what Jesus has overcome. Our faith is in what Jesus did. <laughs> it's not what I've done. You know, you might think you failed. You might think I missed it. I blew it big time, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but I, I'm not an overcomer by what I did or didn't do. I'm an overcomer because of what Jesus did. And I accepted what he did. I accepted him. And when I accept him... I accept what he did. So, we overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil by believing in Jesus. John 3.16. Anybody tell me what that says? Okay, so I'm an overcomer. Jesus overcame. You know, go to John, uh, let's see, let's go over to John 16. And let's look at verse 33. John 16 and verse 33. And let's listen to what Jesus said. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. Boy, (laughs) that's hard to do today, isn't it? (laughs) Be of good cheer. But he says, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. So I don't have to, you know, and I I was reading uh, Terry James' blog. Terry James is a prophetic teacher. You see him on Skywatch, on VTN, different programs. He lives down here in Benton. And I've gotten to know him pretty good and had him on the uh, television uh, program. And uh, he sends this blog out, and he was, I got one today, About, uh, and I don't know whether Pastor uh, Steele has shared with you uh, what the Lord's been talking to him about, about the future, next year, etc. But the worst thing you and I could ever do is to put some man, some woman, some politician, some position, some party up here and think, this is what is going to solve all of our problems. This person, this man, this woman, this party, if we could just get the right people in office, you know, that's what the world's going to think when the Antichrist steps up. They're going to think, oh, this guy's going to solve all of our problems. And really, he's going to lead you into hell if you follow him. But uh, Terry James was, uh, was ministering, and he said, you know, if we're not careful, we'll completely take ourselves out of the Scriptures and we'll, we'll be looking at people. And, you know, we think, oh, if so-and-so would just win the office, if so-and-so would just 
be our leader. If so-and-so would, you know, recover this, or if we had that person. That's not where we should be looking. We're not going to overcome by a political party or by an individual. And, you know, these people are uh, are subject to, to failures and mistakes and uh, their own personal interests and so forth. But we have to keep looking that Jesus has already overcome the world. And he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I am an overcomer because of my faith in him and what he's done. Hallelujah. Okay. First John chapter 1. Let's go back over there and, and, and read this. First John and um, chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. First John chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and go down to verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says that, that if we uh, keep, keep uh, 1 John 1, 8 and 9. And you go to 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, well, if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're born again, you're in Christ. Amen. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us, made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That we are right with God. We're in right standing with God through Christ. Not through fasting and prayer and keeping laws and and doing all the religious things that you can do. I remember the first time we went to Israel. Oh my goodness. I was just blown away by everything that I saw. Especially... In all of these um, shrines and buildings, you know, just about every church or denomination uh, has built some kind of en- entity over there. The Garden Tomb is the only place uh, in the uh, Jerusalem there uh, that's run by Christians. In fact, on the door, it says where Jesus' body was laid, on the door, it says, he is not here. He is risen. <laughs> I like that. But the only place that they, no religion or no denomination has built a, a building over is the Sea of Galilee. It's too big. They can't build anything over it. We were there when they discovered the fishing boat in the Sea of Galilee that has now uh, been restored and placed in an exhibition it is called uh, uh, the Jesus' boat that he apparently he could have preached out of the back of it. Remember when he preached? Uh, and it, uh, Everything has a significance. Oh, and there's some magnificent buildings, and just, it's just gorgeous. So first time we went, I came back home. I wanted to paint the ceiling of the church. I wanted to get statues of Moses. I wanted to do all of these things that, you know, would <laughs> remind us of the grandness of, of Israel and the kingdom and everything. You want to plant a tree. You want to do something. But none of that makes you righteous. None of that changes your status with God. None of that makes you holy. 
I mean, you, you can pray and fast until you weigh nine pounds, but that is not going to endear you closer and closer uh, to, to the Lord. It says Jesus became sin and he made us righteous. I call it the great exchange. Jesus became what we were so we could become what he is. <laughs> I am an overcomer. Get up in the morning. I'm an overcomer when I go to bed at night. I, I am an overcomer uh, when my wife tells me I've missed it. I'm still an overcomer. And coming to church tonight. I mean, we were going down market. We're getting ready to pull into the parking lot here. And there was a car coming. And I thought, you know, I can, I can make it before the car gets here. Oh, my Lord. You know, I'm thinking, guy, you had plenty of time. There was no reason to honk your horn at me. She said, you shouldn't have turned. You should have waited. You should have stopped. You should, uh, when a red light goes to yellow, you, you, you're not supposed to go through it. But I asked a police officer one time. I said, now, is it okay for me to go through the yellow? And it, and it says legally, if the light turns yellow while you're going through the intersection, it's perfectly all right. It's lawful. You didn't? I'm still an overcomer. I'm still an overcomer. Why? Because I believed in what Jesus said. Not because I did. And you know, people turn in front of me all the time, swerve and do all kinds of dumb stuff, but I don't lay on the horn. You know, if you lay on the horn, that just means you've got an angry spirit in you. You're, just, you're going to take it out on somebody. Hopefully you don't have a gun. You know, you're liable to... In Los Angeles, man, you take your life in your hands when you drive down the streets. I mean, on the freeway. We were in Los Angeles a few years ago, and some people were taking us around, and I thought, my Lord, I've never seen anything like this. We were on the 405, motorcycles just going in and out of the traffic. I said, is that legal? Yeah. <laughs> but they drive crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I was uh, distracted there for a moment because, uh, well, where'd it go? Because I looked over at Larry's shoes and I thought, hey, he's been in my closet. I got, I got a pair of shoes just like that. They're comfortable, aren't they? Yes, sir, they are. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10. Now listen to this. This is going to first. <clears throat> build the case here. Hebrews 10. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, I, I'm sorry. Hebrews 9 is what I'm after. No? Hebrews 10. If you start at chapter, uh, I mean, at verse 1, and you go all the way down, you get to verse 12. It says, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever... How long? Forever. Sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You don't have to be concerned uh, about uh, falling from grace. Jesus did this one time forever. You know, you, you hear, there's a ditch on each side of every road and you hear people talk about, well, Jesus forgave our sins, past, present, and future. Yes, he did. But that's the legal side of redemption. That's done. He doesn't have, the Bible says he can't die again. In Romans, I think, is chapter 6. It says Jesus is not going to go up and come down from heaven again. He's not going to go into the lower parts of the earth and come up again. He's already done that one time. One offering sanctified us forever. Now, the vital side of redemption is we read earlier. If you say you have no sin, you've lied. and You've got to confess your sin, and He will forgive your sin. So if you miss it, it's real easy. It's real simple. You say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. I missed it. I'm, I've missed the mark, and I repent. And you turn and go the opposite direction. You change your heart, and you go there. Uh, but the extreme teaching on uh, one ditch on the side of the road means, oh, well, you know, I can sin and it makes no difference because it's already forgiven. You know, the guy that asked Paul when he said uh, Paul was teaching about grace, you know, the guy said, Paul, 
This grace stuff, and I'm paraphrasing it, is awesome. Does that mean that since we have grace, we can continue in sin? He said, God forbid, no. And the Lord said, would you like to know why he asked that question? I said, yeah. He said, because he was raised under the law, and under the law, they would go once a year. They had to go every year, and they had to get atoned for their sins by the blood of bulls and goats. But it said the blood of bulls and goats could never make anybody righteous. Their sins were still there. Their sin nature was still there. It said that they couldn't get rid of their sin consciousness. You had to go each year. Now, you live like the devil the whole year, but you go and you get atoned for your sins. So it doesn't change you. So you just keep living the same way you've always been living. He said, and that's why that guy asked that question. He'd been raised under the law, and he knew under the law he could go and he could get cleansed. The priest would offer uh, an atonement offering, of blood of bulls and goats and heifers and so forth. And he would do the hyssop, and he would cleanse them, and then they could go on living that same way they were living till the next year. But with Jesus, his blood made one offering for sin forever. And if you're in him, you're an overcomer. The only reason that you can overcome anything in your life, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, is because he's already done it. And you just have to have faith. Oh, Lord, I want to make sure I go in the rapture. What if I miss the rapture? Well, he's coming for overcomers. And if you are born again, you're an overcomer. Amen. 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 As a pastor and been on television every day for years, I used to get some calls. I got a call from a lady. She won't know if I would preach her son's funeral. <clears throat> This is one of the things that I had to deal with as a pastor, and I made the wrong decision. I had to repent of it. And she said, would you do my uh, son's funeral? Because I see you on, on TV. I said, well, tell me about your son. And I remember seeing it on the news. He, he, his house burned, and he died in the house fire that he had started himself because he was smoking as he was going to sleep, and a cigarette fell on the bed, caught on fire, and burned him up, killed him, and burned the house down. And the reason he dropped the cigarette is because he was drunk and on drugs, and that's the way he was living. And I made the mistake. You know, here's the, here's the legalism. Oh, I want to be so perfect. I want to be, I want to be right. I want to be righteous. and I, I, I don't want to do anything that would violate that. And so I told her, I said, ma'am, I, I said, I can't, I can't do the funeral. Why not? I said, well, uh, what, what would I say to the people there? What would I tell them? You know, your, your son died in a drug, alcoholic stupor and caught the place on fire and burned himself up and suggested that he might have gone to hell. She hung up. I tell you what, I hurt so bad because I thought, you know, you got to call her back and apologize to her. Ask her to forgive you. You have no idea whether that guy was saved or not. You have no idea whether he was right with God. You judged him based on his behavior. You judged him based on what he was doing at the time. Well, how many people do you know personally that died doing dumb things? or stupid things, or things they shouldn't have been doing. So I said, okay, God, give me another chance. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I, give me another chance. So you know my testimony. I was in the liquor business for um, about six, eight years, and I got saved, delivered. But I still called on some of my customers. And there was this lady. She was the clerk at the liquor store down on the Benton Highway. Her name was Joyce. And she saw what happened to me. She saw that I got saved and that I was changed. Well, she died. Her husband called me and said, Joyce said that if anything ever happened to her, she wanted you to do her funeral. Ah, hallelujah. I've got another chance, Lord. So I said, I'll be happy to do it. 
I didn't know anything about her. I mean, she worked in a liquor store and she was held up a few times. And <clears throat> But she, you know, knew that something happened to me. So I did the funeral. And you know, you know who was out there? All liquor store clerks. And I got to minister to every one of them. And I learned not to be judgmental. I don't know whether she was saved or not. But she could have been. And if she was, she was an overcomer. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Your salvation is secured and based on what Jesus did, not what you do. That doesn't mean you can live a loose life. It just means that your overcoming is based on what He did, not what you did. Now, let's go to Revelation. I'm hurrying along here. Revelation chapter 3, and let's look at this um, verse 4 and 5. Revelation 3, 4 and 5. overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. There are several references here in these seven letters to the churches in Asia. To him that overcometh. To him that overcometh. It doesn't really say anything about... if they were living right if they weren't living right now I don't want to get you confused I don't want to get off into a controversial doctrine of once saved always saved but I do want you to know that according to the scriptures to him that overcometh is to him that has been born again to him that is a born again believer That qualifies you as an overcomer. Now, let's go to Luke 21, verse 36. Luke 21, verse 36. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Luke 21, 36. Watch. Therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, this is referring to uh, the signs of the end. And he said, pray, watch and pray uh, that you may be accounted worthy. Now, unfortunately, the word worthy has a a kind of a mixed uh, understanding about it. How how am I going to make sure that I'm worthy, Lord? Have you been born again? He made you worthy. He made you worthy. Now you think just because of your mistakes and all your failures and stupidity and whatever that you don't qualify. But you qualify when you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you're born again. That made you worthy, believing in Him, what He did. Now listen to the definition of worthy. It means deserving. Hmm. And most Christians don't think they deserve anything. Right. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just a bump on a log, and I'm just trudging through the heat and the cold and the blood and the mud, and I don't know where I'm going and when. I'm just hoping for the best. No, the Bible says if you're born again and Jesus is in your heart and you've uh, been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, you are deserving. Oh, I, just, I don't deserve anything. Oh, wait a minute. According to the Bible, you do. If you're born again, you're an overcomer, and you deserve to go in the rapture. You deserve to go to heaven. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. And I'm, I'm not doing too well on my time here. Okay, 1 Thessalonians... Chapter 5, verse 1. Brethren, the times and the seasons you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 
When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. Travail upon a woman as a child, with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, say he's talking about me. You, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that drunk are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet for the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath. We We are not destined for wrath. Now, when you see and hear all the things that are going on, I did a a teaching on this the other day. Uh, We hear all the talk about nuclear war. Putin's going to start the the World War III. He's going to shoot the nuclear heads and and blah, blah, blah. And we're all going to go up in a puff of smoke and blah, blah, blah. Putin or whoever else it is cannot start a nuclear war, World War III, until after the church is gone. There's not going to be any financial destruction to our economy. Oh, it's, it, it's taken some hits. <laughs> but there's not going to be any total financial meltdown until the church is gone. I don't need somebody to prophesy me. I don't need a conspiracy prophecy. What, what, all I have to do is know the Word of God. And it says here, And let's go to uh, uh, chapter 2, Thessalonians, uh, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 3, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means that that day, well, back up a verse, don't be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or word, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God, sitting in the temple of God, shows himself that he is God. Now that's referring to Satan. That's referring to Satan who's always wanted to be God, uh, he, he, he hates God and hates everybody associated with God. He wanted to be God. So the Antichrist is going to be worshipped as God. He is going to sit in the temple of God and show himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now, the word withholdeth is real interesting. For the mystery of iniquity both already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. It, it says he that is the restrainer. As long as the restrainer is here, the Antichrist can't take his position. False prophet, none of that can happen until he that restraineth is taken out. He that restraineth is the church company. The body of Christ. Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to anoint the 144,000 Jewish evangelists after the rapture of the church. They're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the world. But that cannot happen until after the church departs. Go back to verse 3. Let no men deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except they're coming a falling away purse. There's two, two trails on this. Unless they become a falling away first. Some say the falling away refers to the falling away of faith. People aren't teaching and believing in faith anymore. Well, that's happened right now. I mean, that falling away has already taken place. But the other other stream is uh, unless the church has been caught up and taken away. There will be a falling away. A departure is one uh, definition. Unless there's a departure, a departure of the faith, In fact, over in Luke, it says, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? A departure of the faith or a departure of the church altogether. The church is raptured, caught out. And he says that this um, 
lawlessness, this mystery of iniquity, cannot complete uh, its assignment and come in and take over until after we are gone. And that's what I base everything on where they're forecasting uh, destruction of our financial system, our electric grid, uh, our, um, uh, our government, uh, and, and I'm just kind of rattling here. I hear, I hear all the time people comparing America to Babylon and that, you know, <laughs> we meet all the criteria of Babylon and so America is Babylon and blah, blah, blah. If you read the scriptures, there's nowhere in there there's nothing in the Bible about America. There's no, there's, the United States of America is not mentioned in the scriptures at all. You have to go into, um, you know, assuming things, um, making uh, unbiblical comparisons. You have to forecast. You have to have a premise. I read one book where this guy said, uh, this is a premise. Well, a premise can be whatever you want it to be. I mean, you can make up your own premise. That's be speculation, conjecture. And in the Bible, if you get Jeannie's syllabus on the book of Revelation, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you uh, what Babylon is. Right. It says it's a mystery. That's right. And in Jeannie's book, you, you define it as a, a religion. It's, it's not a country. Babylon is not a country. It's not a nation. And so you can do all kinds of uh, speculation and conjecture if you want to. You don't need to be afraid. I'm not afraid of Putin shooting nuclear warheads and hitting America. I'm not afraid of China. I'm not afraid of uh, the financial grid going down, even though uh, in our investment portfolio, our pension plan, we've lost 30% of, of, of it, which most people have, uh, due to inflation and all that kind of stuff. I'm not afraid of that. Because I know that Putin cannot shoot nuclear warheads and kill Americans or anybody else for that matter. Now, it does say in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that he's going to invade Israel from the north. But that's after the church is gone. If you believe in a pre-trib rapture. If you don't, then stay here and tribulate. You know, it's just... <laughs> I'm not saying I know all the truth, but I don't let any of that bother me because he can't invade and just... Today, I think it was John Bolton, who was the, you know, Wild West, what was he, Secretary of State under uh, Trump. He said that, that what we need to do is hire an assassin to go over there and kill him. Well, we should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> I, I'm not advocating murder and assassins and James Bond and all that, but none of that's going to happen to us, to the world until after the church is out of here. So that's why I have confidence, and that's why I am an overcomer, by believing in Jesus. And I don't have to do anything uh, to, to make myself more of an overcomer, because I'm already one. Okay, the last part of 1 John 5, 4 is, this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. Well, who is our faith in? Jesus. Remember in the book of Acts, uh, Paul was running around killing people, throwing them in prison and all that kind of stuff. And the, the code word was, are you in that way? Are you in that way? What way? The way of faith. Those people only knew the way of the they didn't know the way of faith. So he was arresting them. He had warrants. He got, he got warrants uh, uh, coming to our arrest warrants today. He got warrants from the religious hierarchy to arrest people that were in that way. So he are you in that way? Are you in that way? The way of faith. Are you in the way of faith? Ah, then you're an enemy of the law if you're in the way of faith, and we're going to arrest you and put you in prison or kill you or stone you. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. The Bible says you can't please God without faith. Now, the word of faith has taken a lot of hits over the years. 
but it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with the word of faith. What's wrong is some of the people <laughs> yes, that are trying to imitate faith, they don't have a, have a revelation of faith at all. They have a high echelon of hope. But faith is what pleases God. And our faith is in Christ. Okay. So the victory that overcomes the world is our faith in Christ. Now let me close with this. Go to Revelation 12. And then I want to pray for you if you have hurt in your life. Revelation chapter 12. And let's look at a verse 10. Are you an overcomer? Yes, sir. How do you know? Because you're born again. Have you ever missed it? You do everything right? Had victories? Failures? But that's not what determines whether you're an overcomer or not. You're an overcomer because you're born of God. Okay, Revelation 12. And let's look at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I might add as a caveat, and they love not their lives unto the death. Now, point number one. <laughs> the power to overcome. Now, John 1.12 says when you're born again, He gives you the power to become the sons of God. The power to overcome is in the blood of Christ. I'm going to say that again. The power to overcome is in the blood of Christ. Leviticus 17, 11 says, The life is in the blood. Hebrews 9, verse 11 through 24, we've already read that. It says that Jesus' blood was made an offering. His blood was placed on the mercy seat. By one offering, He shed His blood for everybody that would receive it. And it's eternal in its covering. It's not short that it cannot save, it cannot heal, it cannot deliver, doesn't diminish. The blood of the Lamb is the ground for your victory, not the instrument. I want to clarify that. The blood of the Lamb is the ground, the title deed of your victory. It's the ground because the power is in the blood. That's why those old Fanny Crosby songs were so powerful. There's power in the blood. Let me give you an example. I thought this was so humorous. Brother Schembach told us one time, R.W. Schembach, anybody remember? We're trying to get his programs from his son uh, to air them on VTM. I don't think the world is ready, but, you know, he he did a lot of programs and uh, they're not being aired anywhere. So, and, and... Brother Shambach told me, he said, <clears throat> because I asked him one time, I prayed with him under the tent on two occasions, and he's rough. Man, he'd slap you with those hands, and he had big hands, and he'd hit you in the back, tell you to bend over, and he'd go whop, and you'd fall out. I said, Brother Shambach, I'd fall out too if you hit me like that. I said, why do you hit people like that? He said, well, that's the way Brother A.A. A. Allen taught me to pray for people. He said, I don't know what I'd do if those people didn't get healed. He said, I'd probably wind up in the lawsuit. He said, I used to minister under the big tent with A.A. Allen. A.A. Allen was in the 40s and 50s healing revival. He had people raised from the dead. He was rough. He'd he'd go up to a stretcher, and they'd bring them in from the hospitals and nursing home. One time a person died, and he just reached over and grabbed their hand and threw them up. Get up and walk. Raise them from the dead. He said, one night they brought an ambulance from the insane asylum, and they had this crazy woman in the back of it. And Brother Allen called Brother Schambach over there, and he said, Now, R.W., this one's yours tonight. <laughs> he said, What do you mean? He said, Get in there and deliver that woman. He said, Oh, my Lord. He said, I got up on the tailgate of that station wagon. He said, And I was kneeling, crawling in there. And he said, She started cursing me and going crazy and all this kind of stuff. 
He said, it's like to scared me. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, and then I thought of the blood of Jesus. So he said, I started pleading the blood. I said, I pleaded the blood. I pleaded the blood. I pleaded the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, and all of a sudden that woman said, don't say that. Now this was the demon talking out of her. But she said, don't say that name. Don't talk about the blood. Don't talk about... He said, I got her now. Boy, he climbed in there. He commanded those demons to come out of her. And she got delivered. The, the, the power is in the blood. The power to overcome. Now remember John 1.12, he gives you the power to become the son. The legal side of redemption is already done. If you ask Jesus to come into your heart... The blood of Jesus guaranteed your salvation. You confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. You're born again. You are automatically signed up as an overcomer. Amen. No matter you miss it or not, you're, you're still an overcomer. <laughs> we, we pastored one church for two years downtown off the freeway, off the freeway, inner city church. We had people coming in that church from all different walks of life. And one, one night, Sunday night service. This girl walked in. I tell you what, if, if she didn't crawl out of the gutter, she should have. I mean, she was dirty, filthy, smelled, and, and she walked up and she uh, wanted us to pray for her. And we prayed for her. She got born again. She got delivered. And she was a prostitute. And she came uh, back to the church and started coming to the church. But the worst thing is she, she started calling me at home to ask me questions uh, about the Bible. She was so hungry. She was so, you know, in, in those days, our, our phone number was published in the phone book. So she just called us. And she'd always call 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, oh, my Lord, I'm not going to be able to handle this. I, saw, I said, call the office tomorrow, whatever. And she would always call and she'd say, Pastor, this is old Rahab. <laughs> and she, she admitted that, you know, that's what she was doing. But she got, and then she started bringing her friends. Oh, my Lord. One another Sunday night, two, a couple of them came walking down the aisle. And I had to teach her and, and inform her she is not old Rahab again. She's a born-again child of God. No matter what she looked like, smelled like, thought, she had to know that she's born. But she didn't know. She had to be taught. Yeah. Amen. So it, according to this uh, 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 scriptures that we're, that we're reading here, the power is in the blood, the blood of the Lamb. We prayed for a man who had been brought out of the, uh, I guess, Hospital, he had cancer. He was dying, and two of his friends brought him to a Wednesday night service. He was sitting there in the chair, and they wanted us to pray for him because he was dying of cancer. So <clears throat> I laid hands on him, you know, like a good pastor would, and I just reached over and laid hands on him. Oh, he fell in the floor. I mean, he just, it was like something pushed him in the floor. <laughs> so I knelt down beside him, and they told me he had cancer, and so I said, okay, Lord, what do I do? He said, command that spirit of cancer and the spirit of death to loose him and let him go. So I did. I laid my hands right on his chest, and he, he, he grabbed me my hands. His, his hand went like this. Now, he's laying on the floor looking up at the ceiling, and his hand started going up like this to his neck. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of cancer and you spirit of death, you come out of him and loose him now. And a voice spoke out of him and said, No! I've been in here a long time, and I'm not coming out. I wanted to say, okay, Lord, well, what do I do now? Uh, <laughs> well, something came on me. It was the Holy Ghost. I'm normally mild-mannered Clark Kent, but that night I became super preacher, and I jumped on top of him, straddled him, grabbed him around the throat, because that's where his hands were. And I began to call the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And all of a sudden he coughed. I mean, kind of a cough scream. And his, his, that demon spirit that was in him was trying to choke him to death. And he, he 
fell over on the floor, eyes closed, and I thought, oh, well, he's dead now, and what have I done here? I'm making a mess out of this. And all of a sudden, his eyes popped open. He looked at me. He said, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Praise God. And they took him home. So the power is in the blood of Christ. The lamb is the ground. The, the blood of the lamb is the ground for your victory. You have every legal right to use the name and the blood. Okay. Next. The instrument or the action is the word of your testimony. The ground is the, is the blood of the lamb is the ground for your victory, but the in, instrument or action is the word of your testimony. Now let me say it to you this way. The word of your testimony as to what the blood has done. The word of your testimony as to what the blood has done. That's why those old blood songs are so important. And we don't hear them anymore in the church. And therefore the church has no power anymore. There's power in the blood. You start singing about the blood, demons get nervous. <laughs> so, the blood of the Lamb is the ground of your victory. Not the instrument. The instrument or action is the word of your testimony of what the blood has done. The blood has cleansed me. The blood has healed me. The blood covers me. The blood protects me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Did y'all get anything out of this tonight? Yes, How many of you overcomers? Yes. What's the ground? The power of the blood. You're born again by the blood of the Lamb. And you can use that blood. Now, let me define for you what we're going to do here in just a minute. Jeannie's going to come and minister to us in psalm. We've had a request for her to sing her song, The Anointing. And here's why. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, It shall come to pass that day that his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now here's, here's why I want to pray for you to be hurt. I mean, if you've been hurt. The definition of the word hurt is emotional pain, anguish, betrayal, damage, or distress. And that causes offense. Several years ago, a good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, did something, made a decision that affected me, but he didn't, he didn't consult me. He didn't call me, he didn't ask me, he just did it. Now, some of his ministry staff, his board members, etc., they, they did call me, but he never called me. And it was something that hurt me deeply, uh, that I won't go into what it was, but I just... I, I, I just couldn't handle it. It just it was it was a pain. It was a, a hurt emotionally. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to deal with it. I, I knew what to do, but I couldn't get relief. I couldn't get any peace. And I didn't want to talk to him anymore. I didn't want to go to his meetings. I didn't want to watch him on TV. I didn't want to do anything. I loved him. But I thought, why would he do this? And so I thought, well, maybe I need to call him. Or maybe I need to get in the car and, and go there. He lived in another state and, and so forth. And I, I thought, I, I need to do something. I, I got to get rid of this because I know it's not right. I, I, didn't, I didn't hate him. I didn't resent him. I just, I was hurt that he would do this. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what to do, or I forgave him, I prayed for him, and you know, you sweep it under the rug and think, well, okay, I'll eventually get over this, but it just kept gnawing at me, so I thought, okay, I got to get a word from the Lord, and I hadn't been able to at that time, so I asked Jeannie, I said, honey, 
I need you to go into your closet and pray. That's what the Bible says. Go into your closet and pray. And she's got a big closet. I mean, she's got a chair in there. She can go sit in her closet and still have room enough to walk around the chair. I don't know what else she's got in there, but she's got a lot of stuff in there. So I said, and she's done this before. She prayed for some people that asked her to really center in. So she fasted all day, went into her closet and prayed, and God spoke to her. So I asked her to do that for me. I said, I want you to go into your closet, and, and I want you to pray. Uh, you know the situation, and, and you know what uh, needs to be done. Would you pray for me? Uh, she said, yes, I will. So I went to the TV studio, and I taped and filmed that particular day. And I came home. I was so excited. I mean, I was waiting for what God had said to her. And so I walked in. I said, okay. I said, you've been in your closet all day praying? She said, yes, I have. I said, did God speak to you? She said, yes, he did. I said, well, what did he say? She said, God told me to tell you to be still and know that he is God. Well, that's not what I wanted to hear. I didn't, you know, to me, that's very general. Be still and know that I am God. Well, I know he's God, but he was virtually telling me to be at peace, to rest, to relax. He's, he's going to take care of it. And he did. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen or talked to the brother since then. But I have total peace right here. And love him. I pray for him differently than I used to. But he delivered me. Amen? He took away the hurt, the pain. Uh, I, I no longer have it. I no longer carry it. <laughs> I, Oh, if you will allow the Lord. The Lord deals with me like this all the time, and I love it. He, he told me the other day, just a few days ago. Now, this was a couple of years ago, but a few days ago. I was listening to this brother, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, you've been judging him, and I want you to quit. Oh, you know, I know I'm fixing to make a, take a step of growth. Said, you don't like some of the things that he says, but that's none of your business. You have no right to judge him. He's my son, just like you are. And he said, you need to quit judging. Right then, I said, you're exactly right, Lord. Well, I mean, what are you going to tell him? No. I said, you're exactly right, and I know that, and I thank you for reminding me, and I repent of it right now, and started praying for him, and, and it, my whole attitude changed. You, you might be thinking, Pastor Caldwell, you mean you have to do that? You mean the Lord speaks to you? You have to, to do that too? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not special, any more special than anybody else. Uh, hello. <laughs> we're, we're all walking in the love of God, learning. We're all repenting and growing and so forth. I don't want to ever get to the point where I don't need correction. The Bible says if, if God doesn't chasten you and correct you, not with a tree falling on your car, but the Bible says correction is instruction. If you ever get to the point where God's not correcting you anymore, uh, the Bible is almost, um, how would I say, rude, and says then you're not a son of God anyway. You're not. He says he corrects those whom he loves. And if he's not correcting you, you're illegitimate. Well, I'm not illegitimate. I'm a child of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I know he don't spank me uh, with a car wreck. He doesn't spank me with cancer. I, I, the Bible says that he corrects us by instruction. And as long as he's correcting me, I'm growing. I'm moving right along. Now, if you need prayer tonight, uh, Jeannie, if you would come on up here. If you need prayer tonight for hurt, emotional pain, it, it might be something that happened to you years ago. Uh, it, it, you may have heard Joyce Meyer give her testimony time and time again about her, her father uh, sexually abused her most of her uh, young life. 
and she hated her daddy for it, hated her mother because she wouldn't stop it. And she says, you know, I had to get past that. She said, I had to forgive my father and I had to forgive my mother and blah, blah, blah. She said, but that was my main problem. If you know anything about Joyce and her ministry and her testimony. She said, after Dave and I were married a few weeks or months, she said, I was such a case. She said, he just looked at me and said, woman, what is wrong with you? <laughs> she was angry, controlling, uh, uh, you know, vicious and all of that kind of stuff. And she said, it was because uh, I was hurt. And hurt turns into offense. And offense, by definition, is like being in a cage. It's like being ensnared by a trap. So if there's any, any of y'all, that I'm just going to lay my hands on you and pray for you. And I believe the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, is going to destroy the yoke and remove the burden. Amen. Amen. So let's everybody stand. If you want to come up.